Hi, everybody. Matt Lachlan, along with John McAlevey. Welcome to this week's podcast on moresportsnow.com. And though we are in the middle of July and earlier this week, whoo, it was hot and humid, it's still good a good time to talk college hoops. And we are pleased to be joined by the preeminent college hoops maven in New Jersey. And I say that without fear of contradiction, Jerry Carino of the Asbury Park Press. Jerry, thanks very much for joining us and thanks for giving us a few moments of your time today. Guys, it's two months and one week until the start of college basketball practice. And I'm counting the days and it sounds like you guys are too. Oh, absolutely. I'm a big Seton Hall guy. John is a Big East guy. He's a Providence guy, but he loves college hoops uh, more so than the NBA. He really is a college hoops maven, too. So when uh, the word came out that you were able to join us, uh, John's eyes lit up. So the end of the season, we crown Villanova as a national champion. They lose a bunch of guys to the NBA draft. The teams in New Jersey have some movement as well. I'm going to start with my alma mater, Seton Hall. We knew some of the players that were going to go. Their eligibility was up, but I didn't know that Shaheen Holloway was going to go. What's the impact of his decision to take over as the head coach at St. Peter's? So it's it's huge. I mean, Shaheen has been not only Kevin Willard's right hand. He, you could argue that he's been Kevin Willard's right side. Um, he has just been extremely influential uh, in you know eight years there as an assistant coach, not only from the recruiting front, and everyone's kind of aware that he's recruited a lot of Seton Hall's best players, but in the player development front, helping Seton Hall's guards get better and not only helping them get better, but those guys see him as an older brother. You know, when he was introduced as St. Peter's head coach, Miles Powell, who's the next big Seton Hall star, he showed up to the press conference. That's how much he, he loves Holloway. So, so can they replace... Shaw, the recruiter, probably. They've hired some good people to fill out the staff now, but can they replace Shaw, the mentor, and, you know, Kevin's trusted right hand and all the other things he does, the intangibles, the development? I don't know. We'll have to see. But good for Shaw because there's only 351 Division One jobs, and he's got one of them. So he's earned it. But, yes, it's going to be some big shoes to fill. And my follow-up there is, yes, he has earned it. He's been very good. Uh, at Seton Hall, wherever he's been, he's he's been a guy who has helped elevate programs, et cetera, et cetera. With all due respect to St. Peter's, though, now John Dunn did fairly well there, and I give him credit, and he moved on. He's at Marist now. But what was the lure? Was it simply that there aren't that many jobs? Because from the outside, you could look at it, hey, I'm a head coach. On the other hand, does St. Peter's even have the wherewithal to compete in the MAC? Is it a dead-end job? That's a great question. And so that's why the things you raised, Matt, on both sides is why Shaheen wrestled with the decision. You know, it took him a few days. There were some negotiations with the St. Peter's side. So it, it took a while for him to come to the conclusion that he's going to take it. Um, it's because it is a tough job. Uh, John Dunn is considered to be an outstanding coach. And he, he made, you know, one NCAA tournament there in 13 years. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done there. The budget's low, although... I guess Shaheen got some guarantees that they'd spend more on the team and on the staff. But, uh, you know, in the, in the end, it was a local job. And that's the thing for Shaw. Shaw wasn't getting national attention. He, he didn't have a lot of offers for head coaching jobs. I mean, people weren't beating down his door. People know Shaheen locally. And so this is a local job where he can his recruiting base remains the same. Uh, people know him around here. They respect him. 
And plus, the AD is a former Seton Hall guy, Brian Felt, who was associate athletic director. The security there, there's trust there. And so all those factors lined up. They did give him a nice raise from what he was making. He has some job security, so I understand why he took it. He may not have gotten another shot to be a head coach. So he's in a place where he's familiar and comfortable with, and that matters. So good for him. and wish him a lot of luck. And I don't know if Seton Hall and, and St. Peter's are going to play. They've played, you know, for the better part of 100 years. And I think the friendship between Kevin and Shaheen, they might give it a rest for a year. You know, Jerry, you mentioned big shoes to fill uh, with with Shaheen leaving uh, the coaching staff. Well, they have big shoes literally and figuratively to fill on the court this year uh, at Seton Hall with their big four having left at the moment. And you mentioned before Miles Powell is an exciting player that uh, is going to hopefully take another step forward this year. Uh, a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing this year um, sat out last year, Torian Thompson. Tell us about what you think he could bring to the table and also some other names to maybe keep in mind as well. So I've seen Torian practice a few times over the last year, and I've obviously, obviously talked to people on the staff about him quite a bit. Uh, he had a, a strong freshman year at Syracuse as a big man. And But what the vibe I'm getting is they think they think Torian Thompson is, is the most NBA-ready guy in the program uh, because he's, he's a big guy with a versatile offensive skill set with some range and great athleticism, you know, which is really what the NBA wants right now. That's what the NBA is. And so, yeah, they're, I mean, they feel like he has all big East potential. And especially in a year when, as you guys know, this is going to be a down year for the big East. You know, they've lost a ton. I'm sure they'll still be good, but the league has lost a ton across the board. So he has a chance to be an all big East player. And with miles Powell, who I think is, a, is an all big East caliber guard, um, a one-two punch that could make Seton Hall very good again this year. Absolutely. And how about up front? I know they're going to be, you know, losing Angel Delgado, who has been the anchor for for a number of years now. Uh, they got some good contributions last year. Freshman Sandro Mamakelishvili had a nice season. What are they thinking? Nice job with the pronunciation there, John. Did you like that? I've been practicing that all, on the whole car ride over here. Uh, how about do they do they think that they can get anything out of Darnell Brody? And how about the transfer Romaro Gill is a seven foot two guy? Is there anything that they can squeeze out of him? The transfer from Vincennes. First of all, John, it took me it took me three months to be able to type Sandro's name without a typo. <laughs> so the pronunciation, forget it. That's Max territory pronunciation. Um, we call him Mamu, and he answers to that. So okay, that works. that works. All right. Here's the, the thinking: is this that Mamu is ready to take a big step. He had flashes last year. I saw the first practice of the season I saw last October. The guy I wrote about was Mamu because I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. People don't realize how good he is. He has that European big man all-around game. Uh, Handles, passes, high basketball IQ, can shoot. But he kind of got buried as the season started in the depth chart, you know, seeing all the other guys who would kind of earn the minutes. But as the season went on, he started to really contribute. So um, they see him as an integral guy. I think he's going to play a huge role alongside Thompson uh, and they'll make each other better and they'll help each other. Uh, the, the other guy, you mentioned Romaro Gill. Romaro Gill is enormous. He is just a giant of a guy. Um, the junior college transfer who redshirted last year. And yes, they see him as being the backup center, but a, a backup center who can not just a name only, but who can play 10 to 15 minutes. And the term I've heard with him is shot blocker. He's a guy who can protect the rim and they haven't really had that. Angel was a different type of big man. 
So I would expect Gill to contribute quality minutes off the bench uh, in the paint. And then don't forget Michael Enzi, who is, you know, a post-grad guy who has been the sixth man or the first forward off the bench now for three years. Uh, He may continue in that role, but like his experience and steady hand knows what to do will also be a big help. And by the way, he's um, doing a high level internship this summer. Um, So, you know, he's a real true student athlete. So I think the makings are there for a pretty nice front court. And that should certainly help them as the Big East gets underway. And uh, it's not that far off before the start of practice and then the season that follows. On to the State University, Rutgers, uh, they were very fortunate to get Paul Mulcahy to announce that he was committing to the university, the Gil St. Bernard star. And I ran into Bruce Hamburger oh, maybe a month after that announcement was made. And Bruce, long time, as you know, uh, Jerry, on the basketball scene in New Jersey, assistant coach now at FDU, had been at no, Seton Bruce, Hall. Bruce is the best. He's Bruce awesome. He's the guy. He's yeah. awesome. So we were talking a little bit about that. And he and I said, not quite the same, but a little bit on par maybe with Mark Bryant back in the day committing to P.J. Carlissimo, uh, the New Jersey first state, uh, all uh, all first state player um, who went to Columbia High School right next door to Seton Hall, and he commits to the Hall, and that kind of puts Seton Hall on the map finally as, okay, uh, P.J.'s turning this program around. Do you see some similarities with Mulcahy deciding that he's thrown his hat in with the state university? Well, it's an interesting comparison. So there are, there are similarities and differences. Mark Bryant was a superstar. And everyone knew he was going to be a college superstar. Uh, you know, he was a highly coveted, sought-after recruit. Mulcahy, although we in New Jersey know him and appreciate him, I think he's a little bit under-regarded nationally. I mean, he was only getting three stars from the recruiting services, which kind of was a crime, I thought. And, uh, you know, he doesn't really play a high-profile AAU schedule, but we know him from Gil St. Bernard's and – playing locally and the guy's really good here's the thing about Mulcahy that maybe he will not have that Pied Piper effect that Mark Bryant had at Seton Hall this decades ago that is Mulcahy is makes guys around him better he looks to pass first he has that court vision you know that you can't really teach you kind of got to have this habit in you Rutgers hasn't had I mean think about the last time Rutgers had a true pass first playmaking point guard it might have been the Billet brothers I mean, you're talking about 25 years, 20, 25 years. So it's a long time to go without a player like that. And that's what these, what Paul brings. So he fits in perfectly with the type of program Pico wants to run, a cerebral, um, shared offense, not one guy just making plays. He's a great kid. I see him as a face of the program. I really do. He'll be a coach's dream. It's a fantastic recruit for them. I just don't think the rest of the world realizes how good of a recruit that is for them, but I believe they will in short order. And if he can have any kind of an impact that Bryant had on Rutgers, certainly his name will be recalled for many years to come by the faithful of the Scarlet Knights. And Mark Bryant went on and had a very good pro career, never a star, but always on a team. And uh, boy, just a, a wonderful success story for a New Jersey kid. But Mulcahy will not help them this coming year. So what does Rutgers have going for it as Steve Peichel gets ready for this Big Ten season? Well, that's what I I keep telling Rutgers fans is, you know, you should be excited about the direction of the program, but be realistic about what you have this coming season because this is now really a two- or three-year operation now where next year you'll have Paul Mulcahy in place and next year you'll have, you know, a more experienced uh, team around him. Maybe you'll have Andre Hyatt, who's somebody they're recruiting 
a sharpshooting wing where they seem to have an edge in the recruiting race on. These are all pieces for 2019-2020. That could be the turning point year for the program. That's what fans should be excited about. This year, though, is going to be growing pains is the way I would put it because you lost a terrific player, superb talent in Corey Sanders, who single-handedly won four or five games last year, who was, you know, all Big Ten tournament, one of the stars of that tournament. Uh, And you lost a solid front-court player in Deshaun Freeman, who was your best big man. And now Rutgers is playing a much tougher schedule. They've added two more Big Ten games. There's 20 Big Ten games instead of 18. And as everybody knows, Rutgers played a real soft out-of-conference schedule last year. This year, they're going to Miami. They're going to Seton Hall. They're hosting St. John's, which could be really good. Um, they're going to UMass. So they're playing a much, much tougher schedule. So I think the results are going to be maybe a step backwards. But the process, the whole the whole sort of build is definitely pointing in the right direction. It's just going to require some more patience. Yes, you know, you, uh, Matt brought up Paul Mulcahy and what a, what a large recruit he was. Uh, for Rutgers. Another recruit that they're very excited about is Montez Mathis coming out of Maryland. I know that he was a top 100 guy. They haven't had too many of them. Uh, and and you're going to fit him into backcourt this year. I think he'll probably get some minutes early. And also Quinnipiac transfer Peter Kiss, I think, is someone that they're excited about having on the floor this year as well. Yeah, I, I went to watch one of their workouts two weeks ago. The full team was there. And uh, the coaching staff had told me beforehand, hey, keep an eye on Peter Kiss. We're really happy with him, his development. And I watched him. I, uh, the guy can play basketball, okay? He, he, can, he has a nose for the basket, uh, a nose for passing to teammates, toughness, a versatility about him. He's going to play and be a contributor. So he could be a guy who turns some heads, uh, certainly put up good numbers at Quinnipiac. But it, Mathis is going to get the start, I would think, alongside Geo Baker. Geo now becomes the point guard, the focal point of the offense. And with Mathis as sort of his wingman, the idea is to get them to grow together. And then you plug in Paul Mulcahy next year, and you have a, you have a three- or four-man backcourt that could really potentially be formidable. Um, but Mathis is a scoring guy. You know, he, he, he has a nose for the basket, but the big question about Mathis is can he, can he shoot? Because Rutgers needs shooting so desperately bad, badly. And uh, we don't know that yet until the lights go on, but certainly – you know, he, he proved quite a bit in high school, and he's going to get, like Geo did last year, he's going to get every opportunity to start and play and play through mistakes, which is what you need to do when you bring in young talent. You know, Jerry, I, I coach basketball here in New Jersey. I coach at Milburn High School, uh, and I have for, uh, for in the rec department for many years. And what I like to do is try to get out to coaches' clinics if and when I can when our season is over. Uh, and I go to a great one at Roselle Catholic every year, and they bring in some of the best coaches from around the country. And two years ago, Steve Peichel was one of the main speakers. He had just gotten the job at Rutgers. And in the crowd were an assortment of some of New Jersey's best high school coaches. And uh, I sort of played like a bit of a fly on the wall. Uh, and I heard some of the reporters were asking some of these top coaches, how do you think Steve Peichel, uh, his recruiting style, will differ from that of Eddie George? And to a man, they all said, 
Who's Eddie George? <laughs> Eddie Jordan, yeah. <laughs> Eddie Jordan, I'm sorry. Well, Eddie Jordan. That proves the point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Confusing uh, EJ with the great running back. Exactly. So I guess, uh, you know, Eddie certainly wasn't banging the bushes, as they like to say, on the local scene, which is hard to believe because New Jersey is loaded with basketball talent each and every year. But it seems that Coach Peichel and his staff are doing just that. Here's the thing, guys. I think this is the big secret about recruiting for the Rutgers and Seton Halls of the world is that if you want to recruit locally in this talent hotbed, you know, New York, New Jersey, um, the key is you have to recruit guys you can get. Like, you get, you, you don't want to waste a lot of energy chasing these five-star guys who are going to end up at Kentucky and Duke. You know, Rutgers did it with Isaiah Briscoe. Two coaching staff spent, you know, how much? who knows how much energy trying to get Isaiah Briscoe, and he was never staying home because he was a big local name. Of course he wound up at Kentucky, and then Trayvon Duvall with Seton Hall, like they staked all the chips on him being the point guard for this team last year, and he went to Duke. You know, he, he picked Duke at late, so and then they, they were kind of in the lurch for a point guard. They had to move Kadeen Carrington there. So my thing is get recruit guys you can get, four-star guys, the Miles Powells, the Montez Mathises, uh, the Paul Mulcahy's, the Ron Harpers. These are local guys. There's so much local talent. I, I, I just feel like focusing on the five stars, the Nas Reeds, is fool's gold in terms of your priorities or your expectations. And when you can win big with four-star guys, and there's so many of them in this area, and I believe one of Pykele's strengths is he's doing that. He, he targeted uh, Montez Mathis in last year's recruiting class, and they got him. He targeted Paul Mulcahy for 2019, and they got him. You know, he targeted Geo Baker when he got the job, and they got him. Now they're targeting Andre Hyatt, a four-star you know, sharp shooting wing, and they and they have a chance to get them. So these are guys from the Northeast, from New York, New Jersey, you know, the this Baltimore area, who you can get, and that's the big key. And and Pykele seems to understand that in terms of setting his recruiting targets. Talking about targeting four-star recruits that you can get, I know there's one that will be playing his freshman year in New Jersey this year that not too many people would have figured would have made his way to Princeton University and that's Jalen Llewellyn from Virginia. I know he was being looked at by a lot of the major conference schools, and for him to pick Princeton and Mitch Henderson's program, what a shot in the arm that is, and a surprise. Yeah, and I see Princeton recruiting very well. I just recruited a six foot seven Philadelphian who is uh, super athletic and play different positions. So uh, a lot of that, I think, a lot of credit for that goes to, uh, goes to Brett McConnell, who, who's become Mitch's right-hand man. And, uh, you know, Kevin McConnell's son, former Rutgers administrator, associate AD, um, you know, Brett's a rising star in the in coaching fraternity uh, recruiting trail. And Princeton's tough because you have to have all these academics in order also to get in as well as be able to play basketball. And so here's the thing about Princeton that's interesting. You get a guy like, you know, uh, Llewellyn into Princeton, he, he's, guys don't transfer out of Princeton because, you know, why would you forsake a Princeton degree? Mm. So – Retention is a big thing in college basketball now, but Princeton's bringing in talent. They're probably going to keep that talent, and they're going to be good. So that's a fun thing to watch. they got a nice tradition that Mitch is a big part of. And, yeah, there's no doubt that's a program to keep an eye on. What about uh, some of the other Division One teams in New Jersey? Uh, Monmouth, is the bloom off the rose a little bit with King Rice there? Yes, there's some issues. There's some things going on at Monmouth. So, I mean, there's, there's, you know, obviously they had a great run. Um, how much of that was attributed to Justin Robinson being this diamond in the rough, this uncovered gem that they got? And they, of course, Mom has to get credit for that. But, you know, a lot of that was attributable to him. Um, but, yeah, they've had, they've had some defections. 
Um, you know, they had some surprising guys leave. Uh, there's some, you know, they just had a player who had gone to Roosevelt Catholic, who they yanked a scholarship from in June. Pierre Saar was heading into his senior year, which is unheard of. Um, so, yeah, I think so. Uh, now, listen, King Rice has done enough there to have some security for sure. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat. He's earned some security because the program was in bad shape when he got there. But, uh, yes, there's no doubt that whereas one time, you know, King was being discussed as a guy who could be a high major coaching candidate, I think he's got some work to do to prove that, that he can, you know, run a program without the drama, some of the drama, some of the defections and revolving door stuff that's going on there right now. There's no doubt. So, Mammoth, I think they're in a rebuilding phase, but can they get their house in order and get, get it back on track without a, a stud like Justin Robinson? I don't know. It's an open question right now. And where does FDU fit in, in uh, their conference? Well, they've been, they've been competitive in the mix for the last couple of years. Uh, they got a really nice coaching staff, you know, Greg Horenda, Bruce Hamburger, as you mentioned. They've done a solid job recruiting Jersey guys. There's another, I know you guys are aware of the Datica brothers. It's like, you know, the cousins and brothers, the name Datica, yep. huge basketball family. They got one, a six, eight kid um, from Jersey, from North Jersey, Bergen County, I believe. So they have, they have done a good job recruiting more under the radar local guys. And they've been a, middle of the pack to upper of the pack contender in the Northeast Conference. Um, I think that will continue. St. Peter's is kind of starting over with the new staff, but, you know, Shaheen's going to bring some talent in there, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them. you got to give them a year or two, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them have enough talent to compete in that league within a couple of years. Um, NJIT, another place where they kind of started over with Brian Kennedy, who's a great guy with lots of connections, uh, started to play better last year toward the second half of last season. He had a sort of a rough transition year when he took over for Jimmy Angles because De- Demon Lynn, who was all everything guy there, got hurt in Brian's first season. So now he's getting his own people in place, starting to get up to speed. Um, so that's a league in the Atlantic Sun they can compete in. And like I said, they did come on strong at the end of last season. So you know, Riders coming off uh, of a, a very good year where they won the regular season in the MAC. They lost in the crazy MAC tournament, which all the top seeds tend to do. But they got a couple really good young players backcourt with some talent, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them back in the mix. So on the whole, I think you know Jersey basketball is. Listen, we're not North Carolina, we're not Indiana, but I think it's in pretty good shape, and there's a lot to look forward to this season. Well, we look forward to your coverage of it. We're speaking with Jerry Carino of uh, Gannett and the Asbury Park Press. Last one, Jerry. We've you've done a great job telling us about what's happening locally. Now, last question about the national scene. What or who are going to be your favorites going into this upcoming season? Favorites Boy, to win a national championship. That's a great question. Well, listen, Villanova is obviously, not, I don't want to say starting over, because they return two of their top six players, and they're bringing in some talent. They're still the favorites to win the Big East. I still think they'll be a top ten national team, as crazy as that might sound after losing four you know, first-round draft picks or high draft picks. Um but, and you're looking at uh, the Big Ten, which is going to be in for a bounce-back year. Michigan State, okay, you know, they obviously lost a fantastic player in uh, Mikhail Bridges. But they're going to be very, very good. Most of the team comes back. Um, so there'll be a power coming out of the Big Ten. Um, the uh, Kentucky, listen, uh, my thing, guys, is not – I don't like putting these teams with all freshmen and ranking them number one. Um, that's not my thing. I haven't done that with Kentucky and Duke the last couple of years. Let them prove it on the court. Uh, so that's, you know, remains to be seen. They're going to get votes for number one. That remains to be seen. 
but I don't know. I mean, I don't really, I think it's one of those years that's going to be fun and wide open, you know? So that's, that's kind of what, what makes college basketball great is that in college football, it's the same, you know, two or three teams every year, four teams, Alabama and whoever else, but SEC, but in college basketball, it, it looks to be a really wide open year, which is going to make it a lot of fun. Always enjoyable. And Jerry, always enjoyable following your coverage of the sport. And thanks for a few moments on the podcast. Guys, anytime. I'm a hoop head, and you can get me any time of the year. July, January, call me, and I'll be on. Love it. Can't wait to hear those balls bouncing on university campuses soon enough. I can hear them right now in my head. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jerry, enjoy the rest of the summer. We'll definitely take you up on that offer. We'll have you on again. Thanks, guys. And that'll do it for this week's podcast on More Sports Now. Great show, John. Really enjoy Jerry's insights. He is a man who's got it all covered. You know, I was going to say, couldn't we find a guest who knew a little bit more about (laughs) college basketball in New Jersey? Wow. Jerry knows uh, a ton, and it was a pleasure to have him. And thank you for listening this week. For John McAlevey, I'm Matt Lachlan. So long, everyone.